0: support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, March 28th. Coming up, a key area lawmaker makes a vigorous defense of state oversight of the Kansas City Police Department and his bill to require more funding for it.
1: What is being promoted in City Hall is the notion of local political control, whether or not we believe that the largest police department in the state of Missouri should be controlled by politicians in City Hall in Kansas City. And my answer to that is absolutely not. But
0: first, our weekly roundup of the latest in state government and politics news on both sides of the state line. And we start in Kansas, where lawmakers have a lot of unfinished business and not much time left to get it done. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service has more. Lawmakers will work this week and then break until the end of April when they'll briefly return to tidy up the budget and deal with any last-minute issues. Topping the list of unfinished business is Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's proposed elimination of the state sales tax on groceries and legislation pushed by conservatives to give parents more control over what's taught in Kansas classrooms. Bills to legalize sports betting and medical marijuana are still in the mix. So is one to ban transgender athletes from women's sports. Work remains on several bills triggered by COVID-19 politics, including one to take away most of the state health secretary's disease fighting powers. But time appears to have run out for a pair of constitutional amendments that would have made it harder for lawmakers in Kansas to raise taxes and change the way Supreme Court justices are selected. Several Republicans voted with Democrats in the Senate to scuttle the proposed constitutional changes. One amendment would have required lawmakers to muster two-thirds majorities to increase existing taxes or impose new ones. The other amendment would have scrapped the nonpartisan commission that has helped governors select Supreme Court justices since the 1950s. The logjam in Jefferson City finally broke last week as senators approved a congressional redistricting map. Their proposal consolidates the district of Congressman Emanuel Cleaver to parts of Jackson and Clay counties, eliminating more Republican-leaning areas to the east. That district, along with one in St. Louis, would become even more safely Democratic while shoring up GOP control of the neighboring districts. That map, which has a 6-2 Republican majority, still needs action from the House, which passed a different map of its own weeks ago. And that's all with the filing deadline for candidates seeking those congressional seats looming at the close of business tomorrow. Last Friday, Kansas City Police Chief Rick Smith announced that he will retire on April 22nd. His tenure has been marked by bitter debates over police conduct and funding. A significant part of the tension is around who controls the police department. It's not city leaders, but a state-appointed board. And Senator Tony Lutkemeyer has defended that model and called for even more city funding for police. I spoke with Lutkemeyer, who's part of the Senate's Republican leadership, about that and about why so little has gotten done in the Missouri Senate this year.
1: Well, you know, we got off to a bit of a slow start. I think that's no secret we've had some unique things that have been occupying our time this year. Every 10 years, the legislature is tasked with redrawing the congressional maps for the state of Missouri. Uh, We have been spending a a considerable amount of time during the first half of the legislative session working on those maps. We were able to find a compromise uh, to pass those maps uh, last week um, whenever we were in session and and able to get that over to the House. Um, You know, we also had a supplemental budget that made things interesting this year. We had um, you know billions of dollars worth of federal funds that uh, the state is typically not used to receiving that had to be appropriated. Uh, and obviously there were a lot of differing thoughts on, on that. And so um, you know th- those two things, the supplemental budget plus the congressional maps, you know have created for a bit of a slower start to the normal legislative session. But I think uh, last week we really start to saw start to, started to see things really break loose in the Senate and start to move again and, and, and see the body start yeah. to return to its normal functioning.
0: Well, let me ask you about that congressional redistricting map. Uh, it's likely to maintain the same six Republican, two Democrat, partisan makeup that we have now. How did you vote on the map and why?
1: You know, I voted no on the map. Um, you know, I I frankly thought there were some things that could have been done to uh, shore up the second congressional district, which is the district that Ann Wagner represents. I think we could have done a better job shoring that up um so i ultimately voted no on the map um you know i just i think that there are things that could have been um, done better with the map um and i think we had some opportunities and there were some drafts of the map that that would have um created a more favorable environment for her congressional district and you know look elections have consequences the fact is there's a supermajority uh, controlling the missouri legislature uh, of republicans and so um we have the prerogative to to draw a congressional map that that we think uh is going to advantage our party and i was in favor of doing that and and ultimately the map that passed uh, I don't think was the, the strongest map that, that we as a Republican supermajority could have put together.
0: And yet you were not part of the group of seven or so uh, of your Republican colleagues, the conservative caucus who have filibustered and uh, were seeking a seven to one map. Um, they've also tried to attach amendments to various bills on other issues. They've been extremely critical of Republican leadership. What, what's your take on this group of senators and the impact that they've had on this session and, and on the state?
1: You know, well, let me first comment on the the purported seven to one map. Um, you know, the, the way that that map was drafted is, is what it did is it essentially created uh, multiple competitive congressional districts such that in a bad year for Republicans. Uh, if Missouri were to experience a bad election year, a wave year uh, against Republicans, you would have had a risk of sending three or potentially even four democrats from missouri to congress which i was opposed to and that's that's why i, I voted against the, the so-called uh, and i put that phrase in air quotes seven to one map you know in terms of the you know the, the seven members uh you know, referenced before i mean i have pretty good relationships with 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 everybody in the senate um you know within my caucus and you know frankly on the other side of the aisle and so um you know look people have different ideas on on how they want the senate to function and, and uh, that's true for um You know, members of the conservative caucus. That's true for folks in the Republican caucus who are not members of the conservative caucus. That's true for the Democrat caucus. And, um, you know, the Senate is one of those places where uh, everything really slows down. And that is the point of a Senate. Uh, Thomas Jefferson once said that the Senate is the is the cooling saucer. Um, and the House is the teacup, and, and that's where legislation goes to slow down and hopefully um, make sure that we're really thinking things through mm. before we send it to the governor's desk. O- okay, so,
0: but, so, but I mean, um, the, the saucer was more than cooling the tea. Uh, it was uh, it was ice cold uh, for much of this session. Nothing came out of the Senate.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and again, I, I attribute that um, to the fact that we were dealing with congressional redistricting. That was a unique issue that really slowed down the start of the legislative session.
0: Uh, you've been very vocal in your calls for more funding of the Kansas City Police Department, uh, and indeed f- of a bill that would require more funding for the Kansas City Police Department. This week, the city approved funding uh, that included thirty-three million dollars more than is required by state law currently. Uh, efforts to establish more city control over some of that money failed. Do you still think legislation is necessary to raise the amount that the city is required to spend on a police department it doesn't have control over?
1: Uh, well, let me let me end. Un- package that a, a couple of different ways. Um, for, for, first of all, uh yes, I think the legislation is still necessary. Uh, the fact of the matter is is the city council has the ability in the future if it chooses to fund the police department at less than um you know the 25-26% which has been the more typical funding levels under current state law, the only requirement is that they fund at 20%. And you know, if we go back in history and we look at what the city council did in May of last year when they stripped nearly $43 million worth of funding from the KCPD, what they were doing is they were taking the amount that had previously been budgeted for the police department, and they rolled it back to the 20% that's mandated under current state law. So there's nothing preventing them from doing that in the future. And so, yes, I believe the legislation is necessary. The last time that statute that established the minimum funding amount for the KCPD was updated was 1958. And obviously, inflation has gone up by well in excess of five percent, which is what my legislation does. It it increases the KCPD's minimum funding obligation from this from the city from twenty percent to twenty five percent. I think that's more than reasonable, and again, mm-hmm. is is reflective of what the modern day funding needs are of the department.
0: Now, you're not a resident of Kansas City; you live in Parkville. Obviously, most most of the legislature does not live in Kansas City. Why should the state and not the residents of the city continue to control the police department in Kansas City?
1: Well, first of all, I represent Kansas City, and that's one of the things that's frequently lost in the narrative when people want to talk about me sponsoring this legislation. They they frequently cite the fact that I live in Parkville, but that ignores the fact that I represent over 70,000 constituents who live in the city of Kansas City. It ignores the fact that I work in the city of Kansas City and like many of your listeners, pay the earnings tax, so Fair I enough. take issue Fair with enough. the notion. Yeah. I I take issue with the notion that that a legislator who represents Kansas City should not have a say over the Kansas City Police Department of Public Safety for a city that I work in and that I spend money in and that that I consider myself to be a part of the community. So, um, you know, I just kind of reject that notion outright. But but in terms of you know the, about the state issue control? of yeah. Yeah, the the issue of control of the department. Um, First of all, I I don't like this term local control. I think it's a loaded term because what we're really talking about is whether or not we should have local control, which we have right now. Because to be clear, we have four members of the Board of Police Commissioners who are appointed by the governor, confirmed by the Senate, who, once they are confirmed, act independently to run the police department. All four of those members have to be residents of the city of Kansas City. So every single person on the board of police commissioners, the four lay members plus the mayor, are all residents of Kansas City, all of whom live here locally, so we have local control. But are not what accountable being, to the people for, what, of Kansas
0: what, City or their elected but officials.
1: What, but, but, what it, but what is being promoted in City Hall is the notion of local political control, and that is a distinct issue. And that is whether or not we believe that the largest police department in the state of Missouri should be controlled by politicians in City Hall. In Kansas City. And my answer to that is absolutely not. And 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 the reason why you need to look no further than last May and the city's radical attempts to defund the KCPD and strip over 24, or $42 million worth of funding from the police department's budget. The city did this without informing the police chief, without informing the four members of the board of police commissioners. They excluded all four of the Northland City Council members, all of whom ultimately voted no on that resolution. They purported to wanna put the money in a fund which they had no plan for, which was not going to be spent on traditional police services. Those types of things, that type of immature conduct by the majority of the city council is the exact reason why I believe that the system that we have right now where we have independent control over the police department by Kansas City residents but people who are not subject to political whims in City Hall. I think that is the right way to work, run the largest police department in the state.
0: Before I let you go, I want to ask about the biggest political story in Missouri in the past week. Uh, former Governor Eric Greitens uh, last week was accused by his former wife of abusive behavior toward her and toward their children. He denies that. He says it's politically motivated, the accusations. Uh, Senator, what's your reaction? Do you think uh, former Governor Greitens should drop out of the race for the U.S. Senate?
1: I do believe he should drop out of the race. I think that if he were to somehow get the nomination uh, and emerge successfully through the primary, I think he risks jeopardizing uh, Missouri retaining a Republican U.S. Senate seat. So I do believe that he should drop out of the race.
0: Um, did did you or, or your wife, Lucinda, when she was chief counsel in the governor's office, ever witness any behavior that gave you concerns about, about the governor?
1: You know, I mean, I I didn't have that many interactions with the governor, uh, to be honest, um, whenever uh, she was working there. Um, But again, uh, my view is is we need to we need to hold this Republican seat. And I think the greatest risk and threat uh, to Missouri losing uh, a Republican seat in the United States Senate is, is if he were to be the nominee.
0: Would you support him if he is the nominee?
1: Uh, I, I, You know, look, I, at this point, I, my my belief is that he should drop out. I think that that would be the best thing for the state, and I think that he should drop out of the race. Um, you know, my hope is is that we have one of the other uh, candidates that are in the field who emerged successful, and that is the person who we ultimately elect to the U.S. Senate.
0: That was Missouri Senate Majority Whip Tony Lukameyer. The Parkville Republican chairs the Senate's Judiciary and Civil and Criminal Jurisprudence Committee. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin of KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can keep up with the latest on Kansas and Missouri government and politics all week long online at KCUR.org. Nomin Ujjideen returns tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.